third example of faith, this third character we find here in this chapter we call Hebrews 11. We have another example of faith, and the guy we're going to look at today is called Noah. Noah is a prophet. We often think of him as a builder, though, don't we? He was used of God to build this great ark, this huge boat. And there's only one verse in this chapter that is devoted specifically to Noah, but certainly his life is uh, far bigger and vast than that. Uh, is is certainly a great illustration of faith in Scripture. We find him mentioned in other places, so I do want to uh, look at some of the other Scriptures that mention him. And so, keep your finger here, but that's also go back to the first book in your Bible, the book of Genesis, and let's see what it has to say about Noah. Well, I'm just going to read a few verses. And as we read this, just bear in mind the background to Genesis chapter 5. These verses here in Genesis 5 is that God has determined to judge the world by a universal flood, and he has communicated this to Noah, and uh, so Noah knows what's going to happen. He knows he needs to construct this ark to save his family and some of God's living creatures. And so these following verses give us some more insight into the life and the character of this man that we see here in Hebrews chapter 11. So this is a little bit of a background uh, to, to Hebrews 11, if you will. So look at Genesis 5. I'm just going to read two verses from this chapter. Look at Genesis 5, verse 28. Verse 28. When Lamech had lived 182 years, he fathered a son and called his name Noah, saying, Out of the ground that Yahweh has cursed, this one shall bring us relief from our work and from the painful toil of our hands. That's when Noah is born. Now, look at chapter 6. Let's start in verse 5. Chapter 6, verse 5. Yahweh saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And Yahweh regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So Yahweh said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of Yahweh. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God, and Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark covered inside and out with pitch. We'll stop there. Move over to chapter 7. Chapter 7, just look at verse 1 here. 
Chapter 7, verse 1 says, Then Yahweh said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and all your household, for I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. Then verse 5, And Noah did all that that Yahweh had commanded him. It's a pretty good introduction to Hebrews chapter 11. And then here, and here in Hebrews 11, verse 7, we just this one verse is where we're going to base our thoughts, well, most of our thoughts for today, okay? So look what uh, the Hall of Faith has to say about the man we just read about in Genesis. Hebrews 11, verse 7 says, By faith, Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. (laughs) That's all Hebrews 11 says about Noah. So what can we learn? Well, here's uh, the proposition I propose to you today, that God wants you to imitate the faith of Noah. Remember back in Hebrews chapter 6, it mentions that God says He wants us to imitate some of these good things we see in this book. And this is all about faith. And without faith, we can please God. We can't please God without faith. So uh, we need to learn to imitate the faith of these people. Now I want you to note that there, there's four things about the faith of Noah that we're going to see today. Four Just four points about the faith of Noah. Number one, first of all, what is the basis of Noah's faith? Or you might say the the ground or the foundation of Noah's faith. Well, Noah's faith uh, was grounded upon the special revelation of God. By special revelation, of course, we're talking about the inspired Scripture, the Holy Bible that God has given to us. Of course, the whole Bible wasn't written at this point. But God, nevertheless, had told Noah that the world was full of sin. It was full of wickedness and violence and iniquity, and that he's going to destroy it. And so we just read Noah was warned of these things, even though he had not seen them yet. We also know that Noah had never seen rain. That's interesting. Think about it. Never having seen rain, he's, as far as we know, had never seen a boat, at least not, certainly not a boat of this size, of the ark and the descriptions we see in the book of Genesis. So why would you spend, say, a hundred years of your life going and building a huge boat and preparing for something that you've never seen? That sounds a little crazy, doesn't it? He didn't completely understand how God would destroy the world and probably didn't know exactly how God was going to save him and his family from destruction. However, Noah did not act according to his human reasoning, but praise God, he chose to act according to faith in God. He's acting, or if you will, the basis of his faith is grounded in it and founded in God's words to him, his, what God had told him. He had implicit confidence in God and in 
the truth that God was proclaiming to him. And so what does he do? He acts according to what God had said. So my friends, I ask you, how about you? How about you? What is the basis of your faith? What is the object of your faith? See, we all have faith. Everybody on planet Earth has faith. The question is, what is your faith in? What's the basis or grounding of your faith? Or you might say, what is the object of your faith? Uh, For Noah, his faith was in the proclamation of God. It was in a God who had proclaimed some things to him, had said some things to him. And he chose to believe those things. God enabled him to believe those things. And by the way, if you think about it, we have it much better than Noah ever had it. Think about it. How much of the Bible did Noah have? None. None. Except what we just read. (laughs) Right? Those words that we heard Yahweh speaking to Noah, that's all he had. He didn't have a Bible. He didn't have the indwelling Holy Spirit like believers today have, guiding them into all truth teaching them of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He didn't have all that, like exactly we have today. So we have it far better than Noah did. So the basis of our faith is rock solid. Yet what do we do with it? What do we do with it? Well, I, I, I hope the, we do something with our faith. Uh, that's one of the points of, the, of Hebrews 11 is faith is supposed to be acting. We're supposed to do something with this. Let's, so let's take a look at the actions of Noah's faith. He had great faith given to him by God, and so he did something. And so because Noah believed what God said, he believed God's proclamation, he did three things. Notice Hebrews 11, verse 7 here, mentions that Noah was moved with fear. He's moved with fear. Now don't think of fear as... You know, some kid who thinks there's a a monster in his closet, so he's hiding under the covers of his bed, you know, scared to death. He's shaking and shivering. Oh, there's a monster in my closet. No, don't think of that kind of fear, okay? It doesn't mean that Noah was afraid that he and his family might also perish, because God said he's going to save him. He had no reason to fear, because the same thing that assured the destruction of the the wicked, ungodly people is also assuring him that God's going to deliver him and his family. Well, what was that? It's the proclamation of God. The very words of God should have been all the assurance he needed. And so uh, it is interesting. However, it doesn't mean that the promise of such a display of God's wrath and his power and justice would undoubtedly fill with reverence and godly fear the very heart of this Man who was walking with God. He walked with God. He communed with God. He talked with God. God talked with him. He's in fellowship with God, but yet he also understood some things about this God who was communicating to him. A God that should be feared. And so Noah knew that he and his family were sinners. And because of that, they didn't deserve God's gracious deliverance. But that if 
they also rejected Yahweh, God would bring judgment on them. and They would receive what they deserve. By the way, as you think about this, in Hebrews 11, verse 7 here, bear in mind that fear is the proper response to a holy God. Fear is the right response. You know, Proverbs says the beginning of wisdom is the fear of Yahweh. That's certainly true. That's where it starts. We need to fear. We need to have this awe of this God here who is amazing and big and powerful and great and good. And so we see Noah has the right response. He has the right response. He's moved with fear. But he also acts in another way. It says that Noah, number two, prepared an ark to save his family. Now bear in mind, this took him a very long time to do this. This was hard work. This act was a result of his faith in what God had said to him. And so his obedience to God's command and his desire here to provide a means of safety and deliverance for him and his family. All he had to depend upon was what God had told him. That's it. And that, by the way, that was sufficient for him to do what he needed to do. It motivated him to engage in a very difficult task. And by the way, he wasn't just building this whole time, because Noah is described as a preacher of righteousness. He did preach during this time as well. And you might say, well, if God spoke directly to me and he told me to do something, then I would do it too. The point is that God has spoken to you through His Word. Okay? This is how God has chosen to communicate to you through the Bible here. And Peter says it's a more sure word of prophecy than any spiritual experience you could ever have. And this is coming from somebody who is with Jesus Christ on the Mount of Transfiguration. So bear that context in mind. And so the question is, how does your obedience measure up? How does your obedience measure up? God has said some things. He's given us His will, His word, His ways here. So how does your obedience measure up? Number three, how do we see the action bearing out from Noah's faith here? Well, the Bible says that Noah condemned the world. Noah condemned the world. How did Noah condemn the world? You should be asking this question. We see that here in verse 7. How did he condemn the world? Because it says, by this, he condemned the world. What is, what is this? Well, there's two ways we see Noah condemning the world. Number one, by his obedience. Noah, by his faithful obedience to God, was actually a rebuke to all these people who, who had listened to Noah preach to them, and they refused to repent of their sins. They refused to, be, to, to believe in Yahweh as Noah proclaimed him. The old commentator Matthew Henry wrote this. He said, quote, His 
holy fear condemned their vain confidence. His faith condemned their unbelief. His obedience condemned their contempt. Good examples will either convert sinners or condemn them. This is the best way the people of God can take to condemn the wicked. Not by harsh and censorious language, but by a holy, exemplary lifestyle. End quote. Another commentator by the name of Thomas Manton said this, that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. But if he had spoken nothing, there had been sermon enough in his very building the ark to convince, condemn, and leave them without excuse. (laughs) So we ask the question again, because verse 7 says he condemned the world. Well, how did he do that? Number one, Noah condemned the world through his very obedience to God, but number two, by his preaching. He condemned the world through his preaching. Now, we didn't read what Peter has to say, but Peter talks about Noah, and he calls him a preacher of righteousness. Well, how do you do that? Well, first of all, he had to live a holy life to have something to actually support his preaching. And we found in Genesis that God described Noah as blameless. He knew that his life within itself was not sufficient to convert the godly. He knew he had to faithfully proclaim God's message of judgment in order for these wicked people to see the error of their way and then to come to God and then turn from their sin, turn to God, repent of their sins. So we need to follow the example of Noah and by faith condemn the world through these two means, through our obedience to God as well as our spoken witness. So it's not enough to just uh, to talk. You need to walk that talk as well. And, and Noah is one of these people who is well balanced. He talks and he walks the walk. Well, let's also take a look here at the reward of Noah's faith. We've seen the basis of Noah's faith, that there's actions going along with that faith, but let's see the reward Here, number three, the reward of Noah's faith. Noah's faith was rewarded by his becoming an heir of righteousness. Because it says that by this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Comes by faith. So this, what does that mean? It means that Noah believed God, that's what faith is, and that this faith was imputed to his account for righteousness. See, that's what happens. Through faith in Christ alone, you receive Christ's righteousness, and Christ receives your unrighteousness. By the way, Noah was not any different from you and me. He's not some superhuman individual that that somehow sets him apart and makes him special. He was a man who had to endure the same temptations that we face. And just like us, he had no righteousness of his own to offer to God. However, he did have a settled conviction in God. He was, he was assured, as Hebrews 11 mentions that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. He's convicted of these things that 
he hadn't seen yet. God enabled him to do that. So he took God at his word, and then he believed the proclamation of the judgment to come. His faith, the Bible says then, was counted for righteousness. And Noah becomes this heir of the kind of righteousness that comes by faith in God. This is the kind of righteousness in which all believers, by the way, are clothed in. Uh, if you go on to read, particularly the book of Romans, chapters, particularly chapters 4 and 5, you might find that helpful, thinking about what are we clothed in. We're clothed in the righteousness of Christ by our faith in Christ. So here again is this doctrine of justification. Uh, the doctrine of justification is, is a declaration by God, where God declares you to be not guilty, and it gets better than that, not only are you not guilty, but you have Christ in the place of your unrighteousness. And so now, God sees you as pure in His sight, because He has declared you righteous by faith, and it's not by any works that we can do. So the reward of Noah's faith here, according to verse 7, is he became an heir of righteousness. We too can become heirs of righteousness when our faith is in Jesus Christ. So it's one little verse, but what can we learn from this? What can we learn? There's some important lessons that come from Noah's faith. Noah's faith teaches us the following lessons that you and I need to learn. We need to practice these things. Number one, our service for the Lord must be based upon our faith in God's proclamations. Our service for the Lord must be based upon our faith in God's proclamations. Now, think about this, my friends. Noah would not have been this faithful servant of God that he was if he did not have this implicit trust in this glorious fact that whatever God said was absolutely true. He firmly believed this, as Hebrews 11.1 1 says. It was a settled conviction in his heart. See, if we expect to serve God in the right manner, we need that same kind of confidence. And it's not a self-confidence. It's a God-given confidence in, in this God who proclaims himself. Do you have that kind of confidence that will cause you to act? So it's not just a belief, but you do something with this trust in this amazing God? See, you're never going to act unless you firmly believe. You're not going to do stuff like building arcs for a hundred years and proclaiming the good news of salvation to lost people unless you firmly trust and what God says. Because this is radical stuff. It's, un, it's, it's unsettling. It's hard. It's not easy. But when your faith is in what God says, and, and God has declared some, a lot of things about Himself and His will here for you, then you can go with great confidence, knowing you're doing what God wants you to do, and in the process you can do what verse 6 says, you can please Him. Number two, a, a second lesson we can gain from this is that our faith is shown by how carefully we obey God's Word. 
you're, you're declaring something about your belief and your trust in God and, and what you believe about His Word. And so if, if you were living, or living in a corrupt society, which we are, and God spoke to you, which He has, <laughs> through His Word, and he, he told you to do something like, Noah, go and build an ark so you can save yourself and your family from this flood that's coming, how would you respond? Would you respond in the same way Noah did? Well, you can answer that question by examining the way you are serving God at the present time. How are you serving God now? Well, it's interesting. Let's just note some of the similarities between our situation and Noah's situation. Okay, I know there's, I know there's differences, okay? Uh, but just bear in mind with me. Think, think through this. Kind of might help you to put yourself in his sandals for a moment. See, we both live in a sinful world. It's a sinful world. That hasn't changed. Uh, the, this world despises its creator. That hasn't changed. Both live in a man-centered, very humanistic society. <laughs> well, that hasn't changed. Both have received from God His message of judgment that is to come. It's coming. Judgment is coming. Just as God said it would happen in Noah's day. Both have been instructed as to the only proper means of escape from God's judgment. There is hope. We have hope. Put your faith in Christ. That's your hope. Just as Noah had to trust God and build the ark. Both have been given a message of, rep of, of repentance to proclaim to the world. Noah's saying, hey, turn from your sin and turn to the living God. We've been given the same responsibility to proclaim God's message of good news to the world, and we're supposed to do this faithfully, even though we may not see results. <laughs> so can you see that, you can tell, if you just think about this, whether or not you would respond as Noah did by answering maybe some of these questions. Are you faithfully proclaiming God's message? And the good news has to include bad news, doesn't it? See, there is condemnation for those who are not in Christ Jesus, but there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And there can be reconciliation. So our world is headed for God's judgment, just as surely as Noah's was, but do we share Noah's faith in God's words, in what he said? If we really do, then our faith is going to act in the same way that Noah's did, and it's going to move us to warn other people, hey, flee from the wrath to come. There's hope. A third lesson we can learn is we must obey God faithfully regardless of the results. Obey God faithfully regardless of the results. See, Noah, what did he do? For like 120 years, he faithfully preached the same message over and over and over. And as far as we know, according to the book of Genesis, no visible results came from that, other than the fact uh, 
his family was converted. Because the Bible specifically mentions eight people were on the ark. God saved eight people. But doesn't appear to be very effective, though. Eight people for 120 years. <laughs> and so in the day in which we live, much emphasis is often placed on results. Uh, churches and ministries often comparing each other and looking at each other. And what is it based on? Well, how many people were saved? How many people were baptized? How many people are attending? How many decisions are being made? And how much money is being put in the in the offering and so forth? That's the sort of thing. That, the results. And sad to say, the philosophy of many in Christian services, whatever works is right. So we base it based on uh, pragmatism, right? The end justifies the means, kind of the philosophy. And so they think that positive outward results show that God is blessing me and, and the ministry. However, if you think about Noah, there's something of much greater importance here than just simple outward results. God blessed Noah because of his faith and his obedience. He acted upon what he knew God had said. And so we need to learn to obey God and then leave the results to Him. He's the one who bears the fruit. And after all, any results you and I produce are only man-made and will not last. So my friend, test your faith. God often tests our faith. That can be a good thing, can be a hard thing, but test your own faith now by these lessons that we have learned from Noah's faith. Let me ask you, do you believe that whatever God says is true? So, hopefully you're reading the Bible daily, and you, you, you read, say, a promise, for example, in the Scripture. God says something like, oh, I'll just pick one out of the blue here. God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And maybe you're going through a hard time in life right now, and you, you, you look at God's promise there and you say, hmm, hmm. So you're going to say, you're asking yourself, am I going to believe what God just said? Am I going to trust, even though my circumstances around me may not, hmm, <clears throat> May, may be tempting me here to disagree with God's promise. Do you, do you see what happens? God says stuff, and you're going to say, I believe, or I don't. So do you believe whatever God says is true? Here's another question to think about. Do you proclaim the same message that Noah preached? The message hasn't changed. Judgment's coming. You're going to have to answer to God. And so we need to repent of our sin. We need to turn to the living God and trust in Him. Same message. Are you faithful in your obedience to God regardless of the results? See, you're to be a witness for Jesus Christ. The likelihood is you're not going to have a lot of results by being faithful to Jesus Christ. You're probably not going to see millions of people saved and lots of churches established, and so forth, right? You're probably not going to have heaps of results, but is that what is motivating you? Is that what's driving you? Hopefully not. 
Hopefully, your desire is to be faithful to God, and you leave those results to Him. So, my friends, I encourage you, go to His Word. The Word was important to Noah. It should be important to us. So go to His Word. Read His proclamations that He has given to you. His words, His will, His ways. He's declared Himself here. And then the exhortation is, my friend, believe. Believe what He said about Himself and His promises and His ways. Meditate upon them and then obey. Act as Noah did. May God enable us to believe and to act and to proclaim. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it's a simple verse, one little verse, Hebrews eleven seven. Some glorious things here. And we're thankful for a testimony here that is worthy of imitation. So may we understand why you've put this here for us. May we imitate the faith of Noah, recognizing, of course, he is a sinful man just like us. He is filled with weakness and a sin nature just like us. But the good things we see here, may we imitate them and uh, believe what you have said in your word. Obey, act, proclaim, preach uh, the truths that you want us to preach. And in the process, through this faith you enable through us, that we would please you. We're thankful that we have your word and your spirit indwelling all believers. So may you enable us, by your grace, to please you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.